You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Well, it truly is an honor to be a bench warmer here today and to be able to uh, come and speak and serve and be a part of my home church. As, uh, as Lori Lynn mentioned, I don't get a chance to be here all that often because I'm preaching in other churches on Sundays, and so every moment that I get to be here really is a gift. I also want to acknowledge Lori Lynn. Lori Lynn serves on our district executive uh, more than just her role here, pastoring the church. Uh, she's part of a larger network, so our, our group of churches, the, the Western Ontario District, so we're part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. So across Canada, there's roughly 1,200 churches broken up into eight different districts. And so here in Western Ontario District, uh, we, we have about 330 churches somewhere in that neighborhood and uh, about 1,500 credential holders and pastors. And in that, every two years, they elect a, a council of those pastors to kind of um, oversee and, and, and lead the way. And Lori Lynn has been selected out of those 1,500 pastors to represent the team of about uh, 10 pastors and leaders who oversee and, and lead. So can we give it up for Lori Lynn today? Also want to say uh, just what a blessing it is, this church. Pastor Jay and Jody's leadership is so fantastic. Uh, I'm just, they're great leaders, great pastors. Uh, Jay and Jody are good friends as well. And this week was Jody's birthday, I believe. And so as they celebrate a little time off, would you be praying? The role of, of the pastor is not an easy one. My role is to pastor the pastor, so I hear firsthand the stories and challenges and, and the difficulties of leadership, and, and they just do a fantastic job, but would you be praying for them as God would refresh and renew them as they're uh, taking a few weeks uh, break right now, that God would re-energize them with a passion? Jay's been sending me texts of things God's put on his heart while he's away on holidays and how the Lord's been speaking to him. I just believe God's going to do something really cool in him while he's away uh, at this time. Also, I want to make mention of my favorite family. So for those who don't know the connection, so Carla, uh, my, uh, who's on staff here, Carla's a worship and creative arts pastor here. And, uh, and so we're married. This is our family day weekend. And so for me, my kids are both in university. So immediately following the next service, I'm going on a plane and I'm heading out to Calgary to visit my son who's uh, in university out there and, and it's uh, reading week for, for them. And so I'm going to be able to take, uh, go for a couple days and go skiing. Then my daughter, Grace, uh, I'm meeting with her partway through the week this week. She's on reading week as well. She's in her fourth year at Western University and she's trying to discern where God would lead her on her master's program. And so we're going to check out a couple universities uh, as she's uh, figuring that next step of her journey out and, and a part of things. As I was praying about, I just love this idea of the Benchwarmer series and what God has in store. And also, I love Pastor Jay's uh, focus for the entire year on miracles. And so as I was thinking about and praying about what to share with you today, I was kind of thinking uh, about making moves. I don't know how many of you, in, uh, maybe some of you are in school right now, and, and you just love to get out of class. For me, uh, school was a thing where I just... I would just do whatever it took to get out of class. And so my favorite uh, subject was lunchtime and then recess, whatever. And I loved, you know, phys ed, I liked that, something that you weren't in the classroom as well. And, and so I would do whatever it took. So uh, our track and field team, 
Uh, I knew that you could get a few days off if you were on the track and field team. And so I worked really hard to, to, to win an event so that I could get, go to the regional meet and get out of class for a few days. And so that was like a goal of mine, the soccer team. I knew that you could miss a couple days of school if you made it to the championship in soccer. So I worked really hard on that. I actually found out badminton, I don't know, like a random sport, badminton, you, they had an, a week-long enrichment. I could miss an entire week for badminton. So guess what I got good at? I worked hard at badminton, and I had to get out of class for that. And, and so just all the different cross-country team and, and all the different uh, sports that you could do at school and all the different activities that you could do. And I actually found out that one of the ones that you could get the most uh, days missed of class was if you joined the chess team. And I was like, hmm, I don't know about the chess team. And like, I could do the phys ed stuff. I was a little skinnier then. You could do all that stuff. But, but the chess team, hmm. So I decided to work at it, though. And, and it was in the winter, so you could miss uh, the cold weather a little bit at lunchtime. And, and so I worked at the chess team a little bit and started to figure out the moves, you know. And, and sure enough, I made the team on the chess team, and I got to miss a week of class. Worth it. And yeah, sorry all teachers out there, I apologize. The thing about chess is that you gotta be making a move and you gotta be uh, thinking ahead, not just for the, the next move, but it's the next move after that. And, and if you're better than me, you're thinking a few moves ahead. And as you do that, you're, you're, you're constantly in motion and there's a little clock, that's it, that timer's going, 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 going. And the moves are facing you right there and you've gotta make moves in real time and moves that will either bring you blessing or will bring you harm. Making moves. All of us are having to make moves each and every day, decisions that impact the journey and decisions that are staring us in the face and as we make the moves where God's hopefully calling us to go. The people of Israel, um, they, they were in a state that they would, they, they, they had this season where they were kind of in these loops where they would seek the Lord and, and, and God would open up blessing over their lives and everything would go really good. And then, then they would forget about God and they would start to think it was in their own strength and they would kind of get distracted by the pleasures of this world and, and the things of this world and they would kind of lead away from God and then they would start to make some wrong moves and some, some, some difficult moves and then they'd find themselves into trouble and then they would call on God again and then God would bring freedom and deliverance and then they would, they, they did this cycle, you, maybe you can identify with like, that in your own life, where you have these moments where everything's going good and you're close to the Lord, and then you just kind of, you, you fall off the wagon a little bit and drift a little bit, and things go a little bit sideways in your life. This is the season that the, that the people of Israel are been, and they're right now in the bottom of the loop. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Judges chapter 6 and Judges chapter 7, and we read the story of this guy by the name of Gideon. And Gideon is uh, a guy that's just, uh, he, he's made some, some bad decisions along the way. He's made some, some moments, some bad moves along the way. But, but we find this moment where he's threshing wheat. And I don't know how many of you are agricultural background. I have a little bit of farming history, but we had a combine, not a, not a, a wheat threshing uh, kind of area. But, but when you thresh wheat, you would try and do so in the most airy place possible because you would 
throw it in the air, and the idea was that the wind would take the chaff away and that the heavier uh, kernels would drop to the ground, and, and, and that's how you kind of thresh wheat in that day and age. And so we pick up this story that here's this guy Gideon. If you have your Bibles, Genesis, or pardon me, Joshua 6 and 7. And, and here Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. In other words, in the least windy place possible, in, in the spot where, like the opposite of where you were. Why? Because the Midianites were coming, this uh, neighboring army that's been oppressive and challenging. And for 10 years, they have just been destroying the people of Israel, specifically Gideon. Every time that he'd think he's getting ahead, he would get, it, it was harvest season. He's like, okay, we're gonna get ahead. We're gonna get ahead. And the Midianites would come and plunder and take everything. You ever feel like that where it's like, you just feel like you're getting ahead, then the rug gets pulled out from under you? And you're like, Lord, seriously, come on. Here's Gideon and nothing is going right. And here he is hiding out on a wine press, fearful and, and, and he's, he's been traumatized by this, the, these uh, Midianites and he's, he's fearful and he's, he's threshing wheat in this wine press, the exact opposite of where he should be. And then it gives this picture. It says, and there is the Lord under the oak tree. And this is, remember, Gideon's made all these mistakes and fallen away from the Lord. And the Lord's there and he's not coming like this. Sometimes we think God always comes like this. And God's there in just this graciousness. And God comes over to him and says, Gideon, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. And he dresses him as a mighty warrior. He's anything but, but the opposite of a mighty warrior. He's like, this is not me. And he actually goes and he's like, talking to me? Like, I'm, I'm not a mighty warrior. He's like, I'm the weakest member of my family. And my family is the weakest clan and my clan is the weakest clan. And he just goes through the whole list of like everything that's a disqualifier for him. And the Lord says, listen, Gideon, I am going to use you if, if you will trust me, if you'll step out, I'm going to use you. And I love this word. The Lord says that he said, if you step out, we will do this together. Isn't that a great line? Like the Lord doesn't say, you're going to do it all on your own. He doesn't say, I'm going to do it. And you just sit back. The Lord says, together, we're going to defeat this enemy. And Gideon, he wrestles with this. And he's like, I'm, Lord, I'm a pawn. I, I, I'm the weakest of the weak. I, how could you use me? And the Lord says, trust me, trust me, trust me. And so Gideon goes out and he tries to do what the Lord's called him to do. Instead of going during the daytime, he goes in at midnight and, and sneaks out and tries to take down the Asherah poles, which were the, the foreign worship, uh, the, the gods that they were worshiping. And, and everyone wakes up the next morning, who did this? And Gideon's quiet. And, and eventually the Lord kind of gives him some favor and he, he wrestles with it. Then he's like, Lord, if you're real, I'm going to put this fleece out and, and put water on the ground, keep the fleece dry, and, and then do the opposite. And the Lord is just gracious with them, kind of a weird request, like totally bonkers, but the Lord's gracious. And I love it that the Lord's gracious with us sometimes when we're totally bonkers. But anyways, the Lord starts to be with him, and all of a sudden, momentum starts happening. He's got 32,000 soldiers, 32,000 soldiers, and the Midianites, though, they have 135,000. And so Gideon comes and he's like, okay, Lord, I've done what you called me to do. I've, I've summoned them all. I've blown the trumpet. I've got them here. Okay, Lord, what do we do next? What do we do next? And the Lord says, Gideon, you have too many men. 
And he's like, what? I've got, got 32,000 versus 135,000 trained. My 32,000 are not even trained. They're like farmers. And I'm against 135,000 trained. He says, there's so many. He said that they're like locusts. He said, they have so many camels. It's like the sand of the seashores. He just like goes on like they are outnumbering us. And God says, you have too many to defeat them. What? Isn't it interesting how God's economy is so opposite to the things of this world? And God says, I, you need to get rid of some of them. And Gideon's like, okay, Lord. And he said, have everyone who's afraid raise their hand. And, and so you can imagine, like, you're going like 32,000 versus 135. How many are afraid? And so 22,000 people put up their hand and say, well, we're afraid. And so the Lord says, dismiss all of them. What? Okay, now we've got 10,000 versus 135,000. Like, the numbers are not looking good, Lord. Like, Lord, seriously, I'm just, remember, I'm the weakest of the weak of the weak. And the Lord says, you still have too many. And so the Lord tries this unique kind of way where he, he goes down to the river, sees who, who drinks in a certain way. And, and, and anyways, long story short, the Lord thins it down where they have 300. 300 versus 135,000. And Gideon's like, Lord, I'm afraid. And the Lord says, Gideon, I'm with you. You're a mighty warrior. And he's like, Lord, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't think I can do it. And so the Lord, once again, gracious, says, okay, Gideon, I want you to go down, sneak down, listen to the enemy. So he sneaks down in the middle of the night. Remember, that's a courageous move all in of itself. And he sneaks down and he hears them tell this dream about a bar. It's such a weird dream. He says, there's a barley loaf. And now you got to understand the culture. Barley loaf is the was the bottom food group, like the, the cheapest of cheap. It was the spam of, of that era. And so he's like, it was a barley loaf, rolls down the hill and topples the entire tent. And the guy says, I think that dream means that Gideon's army is going to defeat us. And Gideon hears this and he has like excitement. And the Lord says, now's your time. Step out, Gideon. And so in the middle of the night, Gideon goes out and he says to the men, don't even take swords. Just take a torch, take a trumpet in a jar. And, God's, and they're like, what? These are not fighting things. And he says, okay, crack the jar, blow the trumpet, make a big noise. And the enemy just thought there were so many of them, they defeated themselves. It's a crazy story. And God brought deliverance through a guy named Gideon because he chose to make a move even though he felt like the weakest of weak. This morning, I want to tell you that I believe God wants to do something incredible through your life. I believe that God wants to do an amazing thing through you if you will just trust him, if you will just step out and say, God, whatever you're calling me to, God, I am going to do it. God, whatever you're leading me on, Lord, there's a call on each of us. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this, that there's a divine spark in each and every one of us. If we will just choose to say, okay, Lord, what's the call? I want to get off the bench Lord, and do what you've called me to do. See, miracles happen when we fulfill the call God has over our lives. If I said to this crowd, how many people want to receive a miracle today? How many people want like, and everyone would go, yes, I do. And then if I said, how many people want to be in a position where you're sunk unless you receive a miracle? Not so many. 
You usually don't receive a miracle until you need a miracle. But I want to tell you, as you step out and trust God, that's when miracles happen. When we step out and trust God over the call over our lives, God does incredible things. God will come and do amazing things as we get off the bench. John 15, 16 says this, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to bear much fruit. Isn't that amazing that God actually called us and has a plan over our lives to bear much fruit. Turn to the person beside you and say much fruit. That God wants to do something significant through our lives. Ephesians 4.1 says this, Paul writes from prison, he says, therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I beg you, and he says to this church, he says, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, live a life worthy of your call. And I want to tell you, Mapleview, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. Don't just go and settle with mediocrity. Don't just go through the motions. Don't be satisfied with a nine to five job that pays decent and have a mortgage and a house and a, and a little gated. Live a life worthy of the call God has over your life. Do something with your life and say, God, I wanna make moves. God, I wanna take this little life even though I feel maybe weak and insignificant and I've messed up and I've had trauma and I've been through stuff and my family's got issues. Lord, trust. Lord, I wanna trust you with my life. Live a life worthy of your call. It says in John 10, 10, the Lord says, I've come that you have life and life in all its fullness. In other words, if you're not living life in fullness, if you're not living life like trusting in God, you're missing out on a component that God would have over your life. So how do we live this out? How do we make these moves? How do we see miracle moves as we step off the bench with what God's called us to? I want to give you a few things this morning. Number one, if we're going to experience this, you have to understand God's economy that, number one, the least become leaders. This morning, you may feel like you're the least in this place. Here's Gideon. I'm the weakest of the weak of the weak of the weak. And God says, perfect. You're a mighty warrior. I read this and it almost seems like God's mocking him. Like, hey, mighty warrior, as you're hiding out in the wine press. But he's not. He's just so gracious. See, God sees us as what we're going to become, not as just how we are today. And some of you would say, who am I to do something amazing for the Lord? Who am I to do uh, something incredible for God? And God say, who are you not to be? Come on. See, God's got a plan for each and every one of our lives. I remember, I've told this story before, I remember my first day of Bible college, and, and this week I was in meetings with Bible college, so it's maybe on my head all this week, but, but I remember my very first day, and I sat in there, and and they were talking about call of God over our lives and ministry. And, and we were in this big classroom with lots and lots of people. And, and they said, okay, how many people here have a family member, like a parent who's been a pastor? And like half the room, it seemed like, put their hands up. And they started to go through and they were like gushing over everyone's parents and all the great things. And they're like, you're going to do incredible things. And they had them all stand over on the one side. And I'm on the other side. And then they said, okay, how many people are gifted in worship and all these people? And then they started talking about their gifting and it was like a half the room again. And, and then there's a bunch of us on the other side. And then they started talking about all these different qualities and what people had done. And, and I didn't qualify for any of those. And I remember they got down where there was like, 
150 people on one side of the room. There's like four of us. And I was starting to say, Lord, maybe I missed it. Like, I don't have the giftings that any of these people have. I don't have the connections that any of these people have. My dad had a lumber store. I grew up on a farm. I don't have any of these connections. I don't have any of these giftings. And the Lord spoke in and said, mighty warrior, I'm with you. I remember when we were doing our credential stuff and, and they had to do personality testings. And, and I remember I'd been a pastor for a few years at this point. This was a little later on for one of the leadership teams. And, and we had to do these personality testings and, and they did it. And the guy, he was, he's gracious. He's a lovely man. But he, he came to me at the end. He said, Jason, he said, based on your personality test, if I was a guidance counselor, I would tell you, you should never be a pastor. And I was like, oh crap. And the Lord would say, whisper in in his sweet way, I'm with you, I'm with you. Maybe you've had people tell you that you could not do anything. Maybe you've had people that say you're insignificant. Maybe you come from a, a family with lots of history that's not good and maybe you've walked through trauma just like, just like Gideon. And God would say, perfect. I'll take the least and I'll turn them into leaders for me. This morning, I just wanna encourage you. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, or 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 and 27 says, Forgive, for consider your calling, that not many of you are wise according to the flesh, not many of you are noble, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame that which is wise, and God chose the weak things of this world to shame that which is strong. In other words, if you feel weak or if you feel like, God says, perfect. The least become leaders in my kingdom. I take them off the bench when you make a move to trust in me. First Timothy 4.14, Paul speaks to young Timothy. He says, don't neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect the gift in you. He goes on in the second book to Timothy and he reminds him again because he needs reminding like we all need reminding. He says, therefore, he, fan into flame in, in Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.6, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. Each of you has a gift of God in you. Fan that into flame. Don't neglect it. Get off the bench and say, God, what are you calling me to? Number one is the least become leaders. Number two is the little becomes lots. I love how the Lord speaks to Gideon and he's like, you have too many to, to win this battle. It's total opposite. Our world is like, okay, show me how big your bank account is. Show me how, how many people you have working for you. Show much, how, how much might, it's like the world's dynamic is all about more power. It's all about power and privilege. And God is the opposite of that. And God says, okay, if you feel like you don't have anything and your bank account seems small and your sphere of influence and your followers on Instagram or Twitter are low and God says, perfect, I can use you. The little becomes lots. God winnows down his army to 300 so that they won't think they did it in themselves, but they'll know that God has done it. Growing up in my church, we had this lady, and I remember chatting with her, and, and uh, they just called her Grandma Gray was her name. 
I told this story before, but Grandma Gray, amazing. And she, I remember talking about calling, and, and she came to me, and she, and she said, um, with a few of the pastors around, she said, you know, I, I feel like I don't have anything to offer. She said, I, she was just this elderly lady. She didn't have any influence at all. She was really quiet, spoken. She wasn't the charismatic type A type person. She, she didn't have a lot of giftings that the world would see. And I remember chatting and said, okay, well, what's God gifted you in? What's, what's, what's something that you could make a move with? What's the thing that you could put into God's hands? And she's like, I don't, like, I don't have anything. And so we talked a little bit more. And what do you love to do? And she said, well, like, I'm, the, really, the only thing I'm good at is knitting, which is a skill. My wife knits like incredible. But Graham Gray, okay, you're good at knitting. Okay, what could you do for God? And so she began to pray about it, and she said, well, I really like making slippers. Okay. So she decided to make slippers for everybody in the church that was in the hospital. And every time someone would go in the hospital, she'd knit them a set of slippers. And, and then that turned into like, wow, that was really incredible. And then she said, you know what? Every new person that comes to the church, every time there's a visitor, I could make them a pair of slippers. So she started knitting like a fury and she made these slippers and, and she had this basket and when people would show up at the church, they'd get a set of Grandma Gray made slippers and it was just random but kind of neat. And then she was like, you know what? There's this, it was actually Ed Dixon and some of his ministry in, in the Ukraine and she's like, I could, I could make slippers for kids in an orphanage. And so she started making these slippers. And, and then a team of people heard what she was doing because it was just so cool and so different that a bunch of people came around. And, and then it, it started this network. And before you know it, it was this mighty arm. They're sending like, like massive suitcases over to the Ukraine. And every person that came felt so blessed. All from one lady's little, all of a sudden, Literally hundreds of thousands of lives were impacted from the love of one person. What's your little that in God's hands becomes lots? When you trust him with it and you say, I'm going to make a move and trust you with my little the least become leaders. The little becomes lots in God's hands. And God does incredible things through it. And then finally this morning, the leap becomes our liberty. I love how he keeps telling Gideon to take a step. And Gideon's like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I can't make a move. And God's like, Gideon, just make a move. Gideon, just trust me. I talk to my kids all the time and I tell them, like it's like 15 seconds of courage is usually all you take. Most of those fears are paper thin. When you just trust in God and just like, okay, just take that step. It's like, woof, all of a sudden, like a freedom comes over you and you're just like, you're in a new season. You just have to take that step. But it's not easy to do. There's Gideon, he wrestles back and forth. And I love the graciousness of God with Gideon. He doesn't be like, okay, Gideon, I told you once, I showed you twice. Okay, you're out. He just has this graciousness. And some of you have, maybe it's been a while and God's told you to take a step. God's spoken to you about different steps in your life and, and you wrestle with that. I want to challenge you today. What's the leap he's calling you to make? That'll bring liberty over your life. This week I was telling you I'm going skiing with my son Caleb and last year, 
he's at University of Calgary, and so he has beautiful ski hills right by him. And so last year I went out and and uh, on his reading week again, and and we went to um, uh, a mountain not far, Fernie. Uh, it's in BC, just across the border of of Alberta there. And, and uh, we went skiing, and and Caleb's a good little skier, and 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 I'm me. And so we got out there, and and sure enough, the airplane lost my luggage. That always happens, and and so, but all my ski stuff is there. And so we're like, oh, we're, we and we only I have limited time, and and so I'm like, what are we gonna do? And so Caleb's like, well, you're just gonna have to go with what you got, and. And so I rented some skis, but I couldn't rent any of the equipment or clothes, like any of the clothing. And so I doubled, I had some pants, so I doubled the pair of pants that I had uh, in the bag. And, and I went to the, the local, like, value village type thing. They, and I tried to get a coat, and, and I'm a larger individual in per, peak physical perf- And they didn't have any that fit me, so it was like the coat was like three sizes too small. I couldn't even do it up. And, and I got some of those, you know those mitts from the Olympics that they had, those red knit mitts? So I had these. I didn't look like a skier at all out there. And Caleb's mocking. He's like, Dad, every time the lifties would like, nice outfit, dude. And I'm like, yep. And, and so we go up, and we're having a great day skiing for the day. And then, then as we're going up the lift, these guys talk about this run that's unlisted, that's so incredible. And they're like, it's amazing. It takes you into this powder bowl. And it had snowed the night before. They're like, there's still fresh tracks. It's amazing. And Caleb's like, Dad, we got to go. And they're like, but there's one thing. And they're like, in order to get into it, it's over this cliff. And you have to go down on a rope. And, and then you just like let go. And you fall into this deep powder. It's, it, you're in this sweet bowl, man. It's like these skiers... And Caleb's like, Dad, that's awesome. And I'm like, son. <laughs> and so he's like, we got to go. And so I get out, and I, we're, we're trekking over to this, and some ski patrollers come along, and they're like, they see my outfit. <laughs> and they're like, sir, you need to be honest with yourself. <laughs> Can you do this? And I'm like, what are you, how are you questioning me? And I'm questioning myself. And so we get to the edge, and there's this big cliff, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's a long ways down. And Caleb's like, okay, Dad, and he goes, and, he, and he's like, Dad, he's calling from below. He's like, this is amazing. Get in here. And I'm sitting with my skis over the edge, and I'm like, whoo, and I got like the butterflies, and my legs, you know, are starting to give way, and it's the end of the day, too, and I'm like, oh. And like every second that went on, it was like it got taller and taller and taller. Somebody else came along and they're like, uh, sir, uh, can we get in there? And I'm like, yeah, you go ahead. And, and, <laughs> and it got like taller and taller and taller. And like paralyzation is a real thing with fear. And I'm like, I don't, I'm thinking, did I pay my insurance bill? Should I call Carla one last time? And it's just 15 seconds to just get out over that edge. 15 seconds to take the leap. And then there's fresh tracks. 15 seconds of courage. 15 seconds, that's all it takes.
How many of you are on the edge? And there's great things ahead of you. There's fresh tracks to be had. There's a new season to be had. There's incredible things in your future if you'll just take the leap. Gideon, mighty warrior. Gideon, I see you as a warrior. And Gideon's, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't take the leap. I can't get off the bench. And God says, just get off the bench and you'll see the miracles happen if you'll just trust me. Oh, God will do incredible things. This week I was on a, or last week I was on a Zoom call with one of our pastors. His name's Puspa. He's a Nepali guy and his story is incredible. Puspa, he was from Bhutan and his parents had to flee because of political conflict and they had to flee in the middle of the night and, and they went on a journey to Nepal and, and he, he was, lived in a refugee camp for a number of years, over a dozen years of his life. He lived in this refugee camp and, and things were difficult. Things were really rough. No finances. Food was very, very scarce and and he kind of got to the spot where he thought, there's nothing in my life, like there's nothing worth continuing. He actually tried to take his life. And, and in the midst of that, he ran into this pastor. And you got to understand, in Nepal, it's still illegal to share your faith. And, and, and this pastor shares his faith with, with, with uh, Puspa. And, and Puspa's like, there is no hope for my life. Like, uh, like there's nothing good going on. I, how my, how's my life going to um, lead to anything? Long story short, as they prayed together, Puspa started to take these steps. He was ostracized for his faith in, in the refugee camp. So when you're on the outside of a refugee camp, you're really low. But God started to move in his life. Long story short, he ended up getting to Canada and and. Him and I connected a few years ago and he decided to plant a church to reach Nepali people here in Canada. And God did incredible things and all of a sudden the church starts growing and connected with some leaders and all of a sudden and during COVID, he was like, he was really down. I said, well, what's the Lord leading to you? He said, I feel like I'm called to start a Bible college. But I have no, like he has no resources living in a, in a terrible apartment in Waterloo and and so we tried to get him, taught him how to do Zoom, got him a Zoom account, and he started this Bible college. Before you know it, he had 256 people every morning on his Bible college, and, and, and people from here in Canada, and people all the way into Nepal. He had to do it first thing in the morning for time zone reasons, and, and then he, has, he calls me, he's like, my landlord's getting upset because I started worship every morning at 4.30, and I'm like, ugh, that poospa, you might want to like tone it down a little bit, you know, don't get kicked out of the apartment. But anyways... Before you know it, God started opening these doors and, and Puspa was back leading in a nation where it's illegal to share your faith. They had to go to open air countryside so they wouldn't be caught. 15,000 people he was sharing his faith with. And so many people came to Jesus. And he said to me, yeah, isn't that cool? And he said to me, Pastor, who would have ever thought that God could use my life for something significant? Who would have ever thought that God could take my life just a little me and turn it into something great. You know what I love about chess is the little pawn, when he makes his moves, I don't know how many of you know chess, when you get to the other side, the pawn turns into the most powerful piece on the board that can move in every direction. 
What's the move God's calling you to make this week? What's the move he's telling you to step out? 15 seconds of courage to take your little and let it become lots in his hand. To take your insecurities and your least and let him turn you into the leader he's called you to make in your school, in your workplace, in a ministry, I don't know. Maybe he's calling you to pastor. Maybe he's calling you to lead, I don't know. Would you trust him in it? Can we pray? Mighty God, I just come before you this day and I I ask for each and every uh, person in the crowd, Lord, I I don't know where they're feeling today. Maybe they feel like they're on the bench and, and they're a bench warmer, that they could never do anything significant. Maybe they feel like this little pawn this morning and God, I just pray today that you, Lord, just as you graciously did with Gideon, Lord, you came and you spoke to him under the oak tree. When he was hiding out, when he was messing up, you came with your grace. And likewise, Lord, for each and every one in this place, Lord, you come with your grace and you come when we're messing up and you you meet us where we're at and you see us not as we are, but what we could become in you. And Lord, I pray for each and every one in this place today, God, that we would get a sense, that we would get a bit of the, the, the call that you have over our lives to do something for you. God, that we would not choose to just go through the motions of life, but Lord, we would live, Lord, a life worthy of the call that you have for us. God, that you choose to use people like me is amazing to me, oh God. And God, I pray for each and every one that they would get a hold of that call in their life. That they wouldn't be satisfied to just go through life and mediocrity, but they would choose to trust you with their everything. Just the heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're in this place and you've you've never made that move to commit your life to Jesus, I don't want to finish a service without giving that opportunity, and I promise I won't center you out, but if you're in this house and you say, I need to make that move to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you did and you kind of like Gideon and those people have fallen off the tracks and fallen off the wagon. You you, you say, I got to give my life to Jesus. Just heads bowed, eyes closed. Just kind of look up at me and say, Pastor Jay, would you be praying for me? Yeah. You can just kind of put your head back down. Lots of you in this place, Lord. You see these ones. God, today we surrender our hearts to you. We give our lives to you today and trust you. Mighty God, you see these ones, Lord. We, we, we bow at your feet and surrender our lives. We don't have it all figured out, but God, your grace is big enough, so we trust in you today. And Lord, help each and every one of these people to live, to make moves in the call that you have for us. In your name, amen. Last thing. I always give a little bit of homework before I finish, and so here's your homework. I know it's family day weekend, and you're like, homework, boo. But just out in the atrium or by the other door, there's these little baskets, and there's just little pawns. They're just a little pawn chess piece, and here's what I want you to do. Just for seven days, just for the next seven days, would you take this, and every time, just maybe put it in your pocket, and you pull it out, you think you got a toonie, and you don't, you're like, ah. Or you put it on your office desk or put it on your table, whatever. And just for seven days, 
would you, every time you see it, would you just pray and say, God, what's the move you're calling me to make? God, what is the move you're calling me to make? And just pray that way. And, and then pray, God, give me the courage to move. Give me the courage to make it and see what he'll do. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. Mm-hmm.